0: UFC Fight Pass presents Extra Rounds. Live from the Fight
1: Pass studios in Southern California, here's your host, TJ DeSantis. Extra Rounds. Yes, it is Extra Rounds here on UFC Fight Pass. TJ DeSantis along with Pearl Gonzalez on a fine Thursday edition of your favorite mixed martial arts-related program. I don't know if it's television. I don't know if it's radio. Uh, it can be any and all of the above, but I know that technically, it's just aggravating the ever-living crap out of me, but that's okay. We got things to do today. We're uh, going to be joined by uh, some guests, guests that you uh, care about. We're going to be joined by Adrian Yanez. Uh, if you don't know, I mean, let's, let's not kid ourselves. You know all about Adrian Yanez and what he did last Saturday night against Randy Costa. We'll talk to uh, Adrian as Pearl and I uh, caught up with him uh, earlier this week, and we're going to talk to one of the Hottest new uh, comedians, up and coming, down under uh, in Australia. It is Isaac Butterfield. You're going to see him more and more here on UFC Fight Pass as well. Pearl, we've made it. We're on the air. Headphones are in. We're you know locked and loaded, ready to go. Hopefully, we don't get uh, knocked on our face and uh, the show goes off the air unexpectedly.
2: Yeah, exactly. Hello, everyone. Happy Thursday. It's Thursday. It's Thursday. I mean, hey,
1: I, I, I'm hey, but, I'm but. Hey. but I'm buttoning into your personal life here, but where are you? You look like you're on the road.
2: I am on the road. I'm actually in Miami right now. Oh. Um, so it's nice, beautiful, super rainy, beautiful, romantic thunderstorms happening right now. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's been pretty amazing. It's actually my first time hanging out in Miami ever. So I'm pretty excited about being here.
1: I like Miami. I've been to Miami a couple times. I mean, you know, my idea of a great time is a hotel room and a PlayStation. Uh, So I've had a great time in Miami.
2: I mean, I'm here, although I did go out today and get some food. You know, I'm checking out some gyms out here, Um, going to my management office. So it's been it's been a so far fun and exciting trip. My auntie gets into town tonight. So I'm really excited about that.
1: She goes everywhere with you.
2: Mm -hmm. She sure does.
1: It's pretty great. She does not go in the cage with you, though. I've seen I've seen family members try to go in the cage and help uh, other family members out. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. she has uh,
2: been in the cage. She has been in the cage, but she's pretty composed. She's actually quartered me once. Really? Yeah.
1: I don't know why I'm surprised by that. I, I totally believe. I bet you she actually had some pretty decent advice, too.
2: You know, if you watch her, too, she's like, even after the fight, like, you'll see her like just super, like she just gets really into character. She was an actress for 25 years. So like she gets really into character and you can tell that her warrior spirit is definitely ignited.
1: Well, if she's traveling to see you, that means she's probably not hanging out in the chat. But uh, people are in the chat, and they can always ask us a question uh, on Twitch. If you want to get at us, please do. Uh, just drop uh, whatever you want to know in the uh, chat, and Pearl and I will get to it before the show is over. Coming up this Saturday night, the Apex is back at it again with UFC Fight Night. We see ranked middleweight square off as the number 8th ranked Uriah Hall takes on uh, Sean Strickland. For Uriah Hall, I don't want to say it's now or never because I don't believe that is, is the case, but he's got a lot of momentum on his side. And when you look at uh, you know what he could do against Sean Strickland, um, uh, this might be the campaign that Uriah Hall h- has needed throughout his career to Get where he wants to go, which is obviously uh, a fight for the UFC middleweight title. Um, he takes on a very tough Sean Strickland, who has only lost three times in his career. He's been, uh, you know, coming up the ranks here a little bit, sort of silently. You look at someone like Uriah Hall, who does everything pretty loudly. You know, he's got hi- highlight reel knockouts and and things like that. Uh, Sean Strickland is, is more of a guy who's going to bring his lunch pail uh, to the office and, and go to work, and uh, that's what he hopes to do over the course of 25 minutes this Saturday night inside. The apex. When you look at Uriah Hall, Pearl, like this guy's been around for a very long time in, in the UFC, and he, you know, he's he's had some you know rough patches throughout his career. But I, I firmly believe, as I think you know most people that have been in touch with combat sports for a while believe that adversity builds character. Character creates champions. And Uriah Hall has been through some ups and downs. I know the the Weidman victory. There's an asterisk there. It wasn't so much a victory as it was a, an accident, but still momentum is behind uriah hall and i gotta believe that if he's able to get a win and do so over sean strickland in a way that people are you know buzzing about him and not that he necessarily has to have a viral moment but if he's able to have some style points that that number eight could turn to a a top five ranking relatively quickly uh in this very stacked middleweight division for uriah hall
2: absolutely and and like you said uriah has been around forever. Um, he's one of those fighters he, you know, he comes from a traditional background. He's an incredible striker, he's dynamic, he takes risks, you see him spinning. I mean, you know, he's got knockout power. He's just one of those fighters that, you know, has gone through adversity, but he's never given up. He's never allowed for that adversity or for the challenges to overcome him. And uh, this is just, this is a great story. And, and I really I love where he's at in his career because he is, he's a very disciplined fighter. He's <clears throat> discussed, you know, mental issues. He's, right. he's kind of like been open about his struggles in life, which are very, very real. And so to see him where he is today, he's very confident and you watched him in that fight with Weidman. Yes, it ended, <clears throat> you know, it ended in a way nobody, including him wanted it to. Right. However, he, he, was so composed he was so confident and he had this like controlled fury and you know he was he checked he did check that kick right and, yes, yeah he checked it but that was impressive the way he did that and his ability the way he checked the kick and like you said this is a it was a traditional check i've broken my training partner's legs with this with this check so he knew very well what he was doing he knew exactly what he was doing in there <clears throat> nevertheless he, he just beat Weidman and Anderson Silva, two of our sports right. legends.
1: I mean, so th- he, that's a combo right there, Pearl. You're you're, you're oh right.
2: Goodness. And and like, so where he is in this position in his career is exactly where he needs to be. And this is such a fun fight. And I love how you say Sean Strickland brings a lunch pail because that's totally his character. He's definitely one to bring his lunch pail. He's just a hardworking, like average Joe, if you will, type of a guy. But, you know, you said he was quiet. And granted, he may be quiet. He's quiet anywhere but inside the right. octagon. That's He's true. He's such a fun person and personality to watch inside of there. He's very, very, um, what's the word? Give me a word. Give me a word. Like, like he talks. Verbose. The old- very Verbose. That's fancy. Okay. That is fancy. I,
1: b- I busted that one out, especially for you, Pearl.
2: That's fancy. Okay. So he's very verbose. Right. Okay. He, he, some people can call it and say, you know, he's playing around in there, but there are people in the training room that need that, that that's part of them releasing the pressure, releasing the tension and also keeping them where they need to be in this fight. You don't see it very often. Um, but he, he kind of, he needs that. That's kind of his way. Of, of staying focused, um, igniting his fire when it needs to be lit, and, and also a lot of mental warfare. So that being said, if he can utilize mental warfare in there like he does, and he can get inside of the head of Uriah Hall, who has publicly spoken about having issues mentally in the fight, then, then now does this even out the playing field?
1: Right. It's a great because question.
2: You know, Uriah Hall is, he's, he's very skilled. He's very talented. I mean, he's got just phenomenal striking. He does. There's no doubt about that. But if you frustrate him, when you, uh, an emotional fighter fights, what does that do? It just, it changes the level of the skills. So that being said, this is what interests, which is most interesting to me about this fight is does is strickland able to get into this mental warfare this mental fight with him and and get uriah hall to fight a fight that he doesn't want to fight
1: right yeah i mean that's uh sort of what every fight comes back to really at the end of the day is did you fight the fight you wanted to and did you make your opponent uncomfortable and uh we'll see if that's what strickland can do Um, when i look at, at uriah hall Um, I mean, this guy really has done uh, a lot in his career. 17-9 in in his overall MMA record. He was a finalist on Season 17 of The Ultimate Fighter. Makes his 18th appearance inside the Octagon uh, coming up this Saturday night. And as we mentioned, that that string uh, of wins for Hall, uh, you know, this could be his fifth straight victory. And uh, he's a guy that when he does go out there and perform the way he wants to if it's not a viral moment every time Pearl it's still almost a finish a good chunk of the time 82 percent of his wins come by way of finish and you know when you look at again this moment from the ultimate fighter Uriah Hall could never win a fight again moving forward and he'll still be remembered forever because of his past accomplishments and no fighter ever wants to hear that but when you think about it you know you haven't even potentially reached your your highest level yet you've already carved a place out in history where people are going to say, you know, remember Uriah Hall forever. That is a feather uh, in your cap. But I do believe that the time is definitely now for Hall if he wants to uh, propel himself into a title fight. And when you look at uh, Sean Strickland, uh, there's an opportunity here. I I understand that X's and O's don't always spell uh, you know, how a fight is going to to turn out. This is uh, the fight game after all. There is some chaos uh, elements uh, always in play. But when you look at Sean Strickland, He's had some issues... Taking some dynamic strikes uh, from opponents in the past, he he lost to uh, Easy Dos Santos with this hook kick. And again, MMA math doesn't always work. Just because he's lost to a hook kick doesn't mean that he's more susceptible to something like this from Uriah Hall. But that is my question to you, Pearl. When you look at Strickland and you know the adversity that he's had to battle through in taking some unorthodox strikes and, and losing a fight to uh, Easy Dos Santos, is there an opportunity for Hall? to maybe get him uncomfortable and how does strickland sort of manage that uh, unorthodox dynamic striking approach from one uriah hall
2: 100 um strickland is a very hand heavy style of fighter he's got phenomenal hands specifically ones and twos he his one his jabs and crosses his straight punches there, he comes forward, he puts the pressure on you. He's got such a long range and long length in his arms. He really knows how to utilize his jab and his cross. I mean, look at that there. He, he stunned Allen with just the jab. And right. I mean, he, he ultimately in this fight, it was ones and twos the entire time. Just basic, basics, beautiful basics here. Jabs and crosses the entire time. And I mean, he just, he eventually stopped Allen in this fight. And ultimately, it was his jabs and his crosses that stopped that. They're very frustrating. They're very simple. They're very long and down the pipe. And he is a straight, he's more of a straightforward type of a fighter. I do believe we have not really seen his grappling. He hasn't really needed to use it. I personally have trained with Strickland several times. Uh, He's one of those fighters that's constantly looking for challenges, um, looking for training wherever he can to get the work in. He's a great. Oh, dang. What's that? Uh, he's a, he's a, um, he's a great training partner in the room. You know, he's very focused. He's in there. He's working, respectful, etc. But Uriah Hall has this movement, this unorthodox movement where the spinning kicks come, he throws all kinds of diverse kicks. He, and then he's got power in his right hand. We've seen him drop several of fighters with the, with his, with his power and his, his strikes. So he does have the ability to utilize a little bit more more techniques and tools, if you will, than I believe, than Strickland does, or has shown us at least. Not that he does. He's at least shown us, or has needed to pull out of his toolbox. Um, and so with that, I do believe that this is going to be an ultimate factor in this fight. Will U- Uriah Hall utilize that movement? Will he allow for, for him to kind of get – you see here how dynamic he is. I mean, right. he's so powerful – and explosive, and then he's throwing these spinning kicks and jumping in the air. I mean, that's a lot to deal with.
1: Right, and he's then doing he, that to Gagard Mousasi here, who at the time was one of the best middleweights on the planet.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And so if he can utilize that movement, if he can stay focused, calm, and composed, know exactly when to place his shots, set them up very well, I see Uriah Hall having a fantastic night on Saturday night. But if he can't deal with the forward pressure, the constant ones and twos that are coming down the pipe, if he can't make those adjustments, Sean Strickland will be able to pick him apart.
1: You know, talking about Strickland a little bit, I, I say that he he does things relatively quietly, and the reason I said that is because I was actually taken aback when I looked at his his stats. Like this man has only lost three times in his career. He he started his uh, MMA campaign out by winning his first fourteen professional bouts, ten and three uh, inside the octagon. He's won five of his last six. Uh, you know, that the last fight he lost was that uh, Dos Santos uh, fight back in in 2018. So when I say relatively quietly, uh, I say it because I feel like a lot of people People are looking at this narrative of this is the time for Uriah Hall, but what has Sean Strickland got to do, man? I, you know, uh, three losses only in his entire campaign. He's won five of his last six. Like, if he pulls out a win uh, over Uriah Hall, he's going to catapult himself into the the top ten, and, and who knows? Uh, you know what could be just around the corner for him. So there's a lot up for grabs, and that is sort of that narrative again, Pearl. Like this is a sneaky good middleweight fight. For a lot, a lot of, is up for grabs in our main event coming up on Saturday night inside the Apex. So you definitely uh, want to tune in live to see who comes out the other side with a very, very uh, pivotal win here at 185 pounds. Uh, All right, let's go to our uh, Twitch line for the first time today. Don't forget Adrian Yanez uh, coming up a little bit later on on Extra Rounds. But it is now your time uh, to ask some questions. So uh, question number one uh, for Pearl Gonzalez, I believe it is uh, from Johnny uh, Caldwell. It says, uh, is the G versus Chandler uh, the fight to make a uh, winner gets a title fight I, I'm not going to be mad if Justin Gaethje fights a- any one period ever like just make the fight and if it's Michael Chandler yeah make the fight does the winner get a title fight I don't know that's above my pay grade but I'll watch anybody fight at 155 pounds especially when it's uh, two gentlemen like these these two here
2: what is the what's what does this top five division look like I know that those these two gentlemen and um Who's fighting for the title next? The champion, and then oh god, I got a brain fart. Who
1: was uh, it? It was- so right now the champion is Oliveira.
2: Oliveira. He's fighting for he's defending his title.
1: Why am I? Bra- you see, your your like brain fart is contagious. Now uh, <laughs> I, we know that uh, D- D- Dustin Poirier.
2: Yes, Corey, he okay, duh, so there's Corey, okay, who's the number five, or who's, who's the I don't one know,
1: I mean I, I mean, I can tell you all about the middleweight rankings right now, they're right there, but I, I don't have the lightweight rankings in front of me right now, I mean Is it Connor? Uh, no, 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 I mean, Connor, Connor was, was he, he, he was number five, I think, yeah. Um, yeah. but I, I don't know where he's at right now, I mean, he's got a broken leg, so whatever number's I next mean, to his name doesn't matter
2: Gaethje and Chan- Absolutely. that fight has fireworks yeah. written all over it. As if they're well, not in the I top mean, five,
1: they're in the top five. I promise you they're in the top five. I oh, just...
2: It's the one dude. It's the one dude. He just remember his wife was pregnant. His wife was pregnant. He fought on the same card as Chandler. He's a, he's a grappler. He's like real chill.
1: I mean, I it's, to me, me it sounds like you're saying Dan Hooker, but Dan Hooker lost to Michael Chandler. I don't know if his wife was pregnant. Yeah. But um, I've where's Frankie thinking, and Steve, I, 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 you know, if, if, if Pearl wasn't here with the brain farts, stinking up the joint, <laughs> I'd be firing like that, but <laughs> I don't have it. Dariush, Dariush. Oh, Dariush. Benil Dariush. Yeah, of course. Uh, so he's also in the mix here, right? Or is he
2: number
1: six? Uh, I'm trying to think here. Benil Dariush just beat Tony Ferguson, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean.
2: He, he might be the th- th- fifth one now. Th-
1: this is the thing, Pearl. I don't care, like, what number is next to your name in the UFC's lightweight division. If you weigh 155 and you have consistent success, you're one of the most dangerous men in the world. Like, hands 100%. down. I don't care if it says number four, number two, number ten. No one wants to fight you because you're, you're dangerous as hell.
2: You know, my answer to this is absolutely. I mean, Gaethje and Chandler sounds like fireworks. Both of these dudes are gonna come out banging. Chandler has his wrestling. Gage is an incredible wrestler. This fight is—it's—I mean, anybody like you said, Gagey fights—he's—he's he's a fun fight, period. But Chandler brings—he brings a different dynamic, a different piece to this. Not only that, he's so vocal. You know, his his post-fights are so exciting. His lead-ups are so exciting. I believe this is definitely the fight to make.
1: All right, sorry, I, I got the top 10 here now. Um, Frankie right, 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 is on top of it. it took a second to come through. Uh, number 10, Gregor Gillespie. Number 9, Conor McGregor. 8, Dan Hooker. 7, Rafael dos Anjos. 6, Tony Ferguson. 5, uh, Islam Makashev. Uh, 4, mm, Michael Islam. Chandler. 3, Benil Dariush. 2, Justin Gaethje. 1, uh, Dustin Poirier. And, of course, your UFC lightweight champion is DeBronx, Charles Oliveira. So, That's again, I want... all about Islam. Islam's
2: I, I, in this whole mix here, which makes this so exciting.
1: Right. And then someone um, someone's going to be like, oh, by the way, Khabib's still, you know, alive. So maybe he'll come back and beat everybody. <laughs> like, that's true. I'm not going to. talk
2: about this recently, and I told you it, it's not happening. He also smashes one of my all-time favorites, GSP.
1: We we don't have time to get into this argument again. We we don't. We got to talk about our co-main event coming up on Saturday night. It takes place in the bantamweight division. Uh, Yo Kong taking on uh, Hanayaya. When you when you look at this division, uh, 135 as as a whole and its evolution, Yaya has been like on the uh, outskirts, if not in the direct mix, since this division showed up in the WEC here uh, in, in the states, and and he's. 36 years old which is not old I mean you and I are right around that age Pearl uh, I'm not going to say mm-hmm. that Hani is is old by, by any means but this is a guy that at 36 it, it's almost uh, deceiving because he's been you know, in the 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 mix the proverbial mix at 135 for wh- over a decade so if you would have told me that he was 42 I, I would have believed you but you know with that said honey's a guy that uh, is a jiu-jitsu fighter to the core ADCC champion mm-hmm. someone that is uh, really not someone to, to, to mess around with and, and because he's so good on the ground he's able to not take a ton of damage and, and can probably fight you know, later into his uh, career than say some other 36 uh, year old fighters have mm-hmm. been fighting as, as long as he has. He takes on Kung Yo-Kong who, I mean this guy from, from South Korea has had a, a weird in and out sort of relationship uh, with the sport. He was gone for four years he came back, he's returning now for the first time in two years and mm-hmm. I understand that that, you know things happen in mixed martial arts and it's been a very crazy uh, world but when you are kung Yo Khan coming into this fight with hani Yaya... I don't know if this is the first fight you want back. You got to be sharp if you're going to fight someone like Hani, and uh, you know protect all of your limbs if you're going to fight for any prolonged period of time with Hani uh, on the floor. Uh, obviously, you don't get to pick all of your fights, Pearl, but I, I can't imagine this is the most ideal fight to come back to uh, after being away for two years. You
2: know, it's definitely it is. It's a it's a big fight for
1: Khan. Yeah, is that Khan. How I say the name? Yep.
2: And, you know, that big layoff that he had, though, wasn't wasn't really by choice. He was in mandatory uh, military. So he was gone for those four years. And then and now he's just coming back off of an injury. Um, But he actually believes that he has the superior grappling in this. If you look at his striking ability, I mean, he's dynamic. He's got great range here. He just went from long punches to nice inside clinch work straight into his wrestling does he want to wrestle Yanni? Is that it? Did I say it right?
1: Yaya. Yeah, yeah. Honey Yaya. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Does he want to wrestle Yaya? Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. But his ability to strike, he, he, he may have the upper edge in this. Now, yes, it's, it's a very big fight, but I think that this is exactly what he wanted. This is exactly what he wants. He wants to prove that he belongs in this division. And although he may not have been as, as consistent as he would have liked to have been, he's here. Right. And he's, uh, he's
1: very good. I, I just think that, I mean, every fighter's going to be confident, right? You have to be confident in, in this game if you're going to hang out. But uh, to, this is a, a level of confidence that you better be right about when you say that I'm the better grappler, when you're taking on someone as much of a standout as, as Hani Yaya, Because the, the moment you think you're okay, especially in a jujitsu match with someone as, as talented as, as Yaya, that's the moment you need to start worrying because like I, I mean it's the gentle art. it's that yeah. slow inch by inch process to where all of a sudden you can't breathe or your your arm doesn't bend anymore or you can't walk and uh, you know m- maybe Kong's able to do it. I, I just I could never honestly count out Haniya against yeah. anybody, especially when they've taken you know significant time off from the game.
2: yeah, absolutely and, and Yaya does. he has incredible transitions on the ground. I mean, look at him here. He's in a in a half guard here. He's going to transition so perfectly. Is this this is his finish? Yes, it is. So perfectly into the finish. Here he is. Look now, he's got on got in this perfect arm triangle, but the transition yep. right here that we see for him to finish this to me is incredible. No hands pass here. Staples the leg down and then just slides across. And before you know it, you're out. It's over. Okay, so he got out this time. But wait till he transitions here. It's a beautiful transition. And said you know,
1: this this head and arm, and, and that's one thing too with Yaya. I've I've seen him do grappling events, and and not just MMA, but like he's the type of guy where he he can finish that arm triangle from being in half. He doesn't even need to get to full side either. Like you, you, again, you you can't make a, a mistake with him. At all, and uh, we'll see what happens coming up uh, on Saturday in our co-main event. It is uh, a fun bantamweight fight. Where I mean, you know, you might as well jump back into the deep end for, for Kong. Uh, you know, two two years away, you go out there and, and you get a win over Yaya. You're gonna, you know, make uh, make that co-main event uh, spotlight shine bright on yourself. So uh, I, I don't fault the man for for going out there and getting after it. It's just if I was the manager, or if I was the cornerman, I'd be like, mm, two years away, yaya yeah, yeah, first fight back. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's something well, else. You like
2: know, that. the thing too that you have to think about is how many skills does Yaya have to get through to get to his grappling? You've got kicks, then we've got punches, then we've got knees and elbows, then we've got clinch work and cage work. I mean, there's so many skills that are needed. It's not like he he can just come out and say, I want to, I want to grapple. It takes a lot of work to get to, to the grappling positions, to get to the mat. So can he get past some of Kong's skills. He's very dynamic. He's got right. great movement. He's fast. He's explosive. He's elusive. You know, he's got great clench work. There's a lot of skills that Yaya will have to get to to make this fight his fight. Can he do it? I believe he can. This is one of those fights. That it's, it's like a grappler versus a striker type of a vibe to me. But Kong does believe he has the better grappling.
1: In that and and that's one thing too. Like we think about grappling and I think when you say you're the better grappler uh, than than Haniya, I immediately think that we're gonna you, you know, go tit for tat when it comes to offense and, and your ability to, to submit people. But that's not how mixed martial arts grappling necessarily works. You can be the better grappler and make sure that the fight never really goes to the grappling and it's sort of mm-hmm. like uh, wrestling in reverse that's what chuck liddell did back in the day you know chuck was a a great wrestler but not in the way that you would say brock lesnar is a great wrestler or right. you know uh randy couture um is a great wrestler it's just th- the opposite way and uh you know may- maybe kong is a better grappler by essentially proving that he doesn't need to grapple with, with Honey, we'll yeah. we'll see. So, um, let's talk about a, a strawweight fight that we got coming up here. Uh, Cheyenne Bayes back in action. She takes on uh, Gloria DePaula. Um, Cheyenne Bayes had a lot of uh, hype behind her coming off the Contender series. Uh, was in a really gritty fight with uh, Kaneho Ruiz in her UFC debut. Uh, for uh, Bayes, if she had fought the uh, entire fight the way that she did in the latter part uh, of the third round, it would have been a much different fight. Uh, unfortunately for her though, uh, she just didn't get the fight, uh, going the way that she wanted to. And, and taking on someone like Ruiz, who's, a uh, an elite level wrestler, uh, he actually, uh, was a national champion in, in Mexico. Um, you can't let Conejo get her game going, and unfortunately for Bays, uh, she did that. But now she returns, taking on this Brazilian in uh, Gloria De Paula. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. De Paula also coming from uh, the Contender series; uh, she she lost her uh, first fight in the UFC. So really, both of these ladies uh, have a lot to fight for, trying to get win number one here uh, in the octagon. I, I'm curious, in, in your mind, when you look at Cheyenne Bays, uh, she she had a bit of an issue uh, with uh, Cineho the the latter part of, of the fight where Ruiz was starting to get into her head a little bit said uh, some some not so nice things we actually have a, a bit of a clip you can see how as the fight ends here Canejo uh, gets in her face and uh, uh, we see Mark Smith the referee forced to work some overtime here because. Fingers are flying. Words are going everywhere. Um, Baze was definitely upset. And, and for good reason. I mean, she, she she felt disrespected. I understand why she felt disrespected. But when you show any sort of weakness in the octagon, whether it's during the fight or afterwards, it's something that gets brought up by, you know, talking heads like me. So I, I'm curious, did Cheyenne Baze get too emotional in that fight with Kaneho? And is this something that she needs to sort of keep in check? Or can she use that motivation? to propel her forward and, you know, pick up her first win coming up on Saturday?
2: You know, I said this when we talked about the main event. You, you cannot fight emotional. Fighting emotional can limit your adaptation. It can limit your, uh, your decisions under pressure, your quick, your quick twitch. It can just, it can really get in the way of a lot of important things that are needed. Range, distance, timing. There's so much going on in this fight. And if emotions get in the way and, you know, you guys will hear it later on in the interview that we did earlier this week, you know, he said it. He said it. Great. I, I, you can't even allow for too much happiness. It has to be. Emotional.
1: Think about that. Think about that. You can't get too happy. Mm-hmm. Like it, where it, Where in life is anyone ever said that before? Really? You know,
2: but it, it, it's so he's he was spot on when he said that when you are in here, you don't have time to think all you have time to do is be in the moment and react. You're literally dancing with your opponent and your partner who leads the dance is who's winning the fight. When you allow emotions to get in the way, now that dance changes. Now you can not adapt as well as you could have when you're in your zone. You know, you, you hear about it from athletes all the time. I'm in my zone when I'm in my zone. I fight or I train and I, I compete at my best. And that's a honey. They're spot on. You have to be in the zone. Now, what happened between those two, I don't understand, because Conejo doesn't even speak English. So how these two are communicating, that's kind of uh, confusing to me. But, you know, she was frustrated. She had a hard time dealing with Conejo's um, grappling. She kept putting her in a case of Tommy, hitting her with a head and arm toss, and, and positioning her. It's frustrating. It was frustrating for Cheyenne. And she did. She was the superior striker in this fight. And when she was able to get her range and get her distance, she threw beautiful long strikes. She has great kicks. She's aggressive. She's ferocious. So to not be able to do that, and Cuneta had a great game plan. She just kind of stuffed that in, and, and stuffed the range. So I, I do hope that Cheyenne takes several things away from her last fight. Slow down in the emotions. This isn't this isn't an emotional thing. This is like this is competition, and and whoever. Is in their zone, is who's typically leading the dance. So, with that being said, and also how do I keep my distance? How do I fight my fight? Her fight is she's a striker. She's she look at her strikes here. She's got incredible striking. So, how can she keep this fight there and make sure that her range isn't stuffed, she isn't being grappled. Um, and and so we'll see, we'll see what happens Saturday night.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not uh, bilingual, but I do know that the middle finger in Spanish means the same thing as it does in, in English. So I'm guessing that's how they uh, got on each other's bad side because Canelo uh, was definitely uh, throwing up that international symbol at the end of that fight. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, fighting is the universal language, is it not? Like, you don't really need I mean, to. How do you not
2: get emotional though? At the same time, like, think about it, like. I have, I don't know if you've been, we've talked about this, but like right before a fight, a street fight, you're typically emotional. You're usually, you know, not very happy. I mean, you're not fighting someone because they're your best friend. So it is, it's a natural instinct to, to get emotional, to have anger or whatever it is, fear, whatever that, that motivation or that emotion that drives you to want to physically hurt someone. Right. So. By fighting, we are. We're going against our, our natural instinct. And um, both of these ladies are super talented. They, they're very new in this division. Um, they're the future of the sport, that next generation. So there is. There's a lot on the line for them Saturday night.
1: Yeah, um, you're talking about happiness from an interview uh, we did earlier in the week. That was with uh, Adrian Yanez. That is coming up uh, a little bit later on here on Extra Rounds, but still more to uh, discuss before we get to our interviews. A fun welterweight fight uh, headed your way coming up on Saturday night. Brian Barbarina taking on uh, Jason Witt. Looking at um, you know he's had some mixed success inside the octagon, but when you look at the fighters that he's competed with, we're talking about guys like Vicente Luque, Leon Edwards, uh Cole Colby Covington, you know, really cream of the crop guys at 170, and he ran into them before they had really completely solidified themselves as, you know, top five uh, caliber type of uh, fighters. And he's taking on uh, Witt here, who is uh, one and two. Uh, he's really had things either go his way or not go his way uh, in the octagon. His first fight, uh, he, he lost to uh, Takashi Sato at uh, 48 seconds in round number one, was TKO'd there. Uh, in his last fight, he's coming off a 16-second loss to uh, Matt Semelser, um, but he's also a finisher. He's won his uh, sole UFC fight uh, via submission in round number two. So, uh, you know, looking at uh, at Wit, I guess if if he's able just to get past that first minute, Pearl, uh, you know, success is followed inside the octagon. But uh, you know, one thing that I can say for sure with Wit is he's sort of a kill or be killed type of fighter. And Brian Barberena is, is someone who's not afraid to uh, mix it up. This uh, this could have you know fireworks like. When when you look at fighters again, it doesn't always work out the way it looks on paper, but, you know, both of these guys have proven uh, time and time again that they'll go out there and they'll try to, you know, rip each other's heads off. Uh, and we'll see what happens between these welterweights on Saturday.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, this this division is on fire. So to go in there, either one of these gentlemen, to go in and have a great performance, I mean, that's the ideal the ideal thing, especially with how hot this division is right now. Um And yeah, that's basically my response to that.
1: When you when you when you size up a a potential opponent, do you look at their finishing rate? Is that something that you generally sort of pay mind to and and see if they're willing to sort of hunt for that that stoppage? Because, again, it takes two to tango. If you don't have someone that's really going to mix it up with you, it's hard to sometimes even get your own offense going.
2: Absolutely. You have to not necessarily look at the rate. But how are they finishing? Are they finishing with strikes? Do they carry a lot of power? Do they have very clean accuracy and timing? Or are they finishing on the on the on the ground and grappling? Are they utilizing their submissions? Do they have great you know grappling ability? And, and what and where where are their strengths at? And if they do have a lot of finishes, if they do have a high finishing rate, the chances are a lot of their strengths lie within those finishes. Um, but I don't think fighters are looking at it like statistically, like like we see is. finishing rate. Sure. They finish most of their fights. I think that it kind of goes past that. How are they finishing? What are they finishing with? What are the tools in that? Um, and, and that's kind of how you break down and dissect who you're competing against.
1: When you are preparing for a fight, I mean, it, it's always interesting to see, uh, you know, how fighters approach it. Like we, uh, spoke to, to Randy, uh, Costa last week, who fought Adrian Yanez. And he said, you know, normally I don't really look at a lot of tape study, but I'm a fan of Adrian. So I don't have a problem watching his fights. Um, sometimes it is case to case. Are, are you someone who likes to sort of do that deep dive into your opponent's, uh, you know, background in, in history? Or do you, uh, you know, stand, stand at arm's length from that?
2: You know, it depends. It depends on what fight is in front of me, what skills. Um, I typically don't, I don't, you know, there are people that like to obsess and they like to really dig deep and they kind of watch over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I, I don't do that. I don't even like to, I, I, if I'm going to watch my opponent, it's, it's typically got to be earlier in the day. It's got to be when I'm either preparing for training. I don't like to watch it at night because then, you know, my head, my wheels start spinning. Um, but I typically watch, I watch it a couple times and then, you know, it, you have to have confidence in the team and, and the game plan being put together. And I kind of allow for my team and my coaches to, to gather the game plan and to kind of really dissect and break down that fighter. And throughout the camp, I'll watch tape on them. I'll watch their footage. I'll try to look for patterns, routines, strengths, weaknesses, um, and whatnot and then and then but i do typically allow for my my team in my corner to do most of the studying
1: have you ever fought like a former training partner or anything like that whether it was an amateur or as a pro anything like that
2: Mm, no not that i'm no not that i can think
1: of see i think that would be the hardest one to do. When you know someone so well that you've actually had, you know, experience with them in the room, um, granted it's not always the same sort of feeling come, you know, a fight, but uh that that familiarity sort of breeds competition and uh that, that I've always wondered what that is like for athletes to uh you know mm-hmm. like, like Gilbert Burns and Kamara Usman, you know, former training partners, right. you know, to go and, and do it for real with the ultimate prize on the line. Very difficult, but that's one thing that I think uh, is interesting, especially with young fighters. A lot of young fighters say, like, I'm more concerned about being myself rather than who I'm fighting, and if I start to adapt my game to what they're going to do, then I'm no longer myself, and at the end of the day, being you is largely what got you to the the sports biggest uh, stage, generally.
2: Yeah, you know, and I agree with that. I do. I'm always focused on myself, and, like, you can't always – Put all of your eggs in one basket. You can't 100% prepare for this fighter without looking at what. Where can I improve? What are what are the improvements that I need? And that's kind of the way that I like to look at the fight. Is is what skills are needed? That what do I need to improve at? Where are my weaknesses in this fight? Vices? What what are theirs? What what do I need to watch out for? Because that's not ultimately what it is. The ultimate goal is to get better and be better. So how can I improve myself to win this fight? Um, And and kind of back to what you're saying with the newer generation of fighters who are typically more focused on themselves. You know, the game has changed tremendously since if you look at the earlier fights, like in the earlier days, you didn't really go and and go and train at different gyms. It was very like, I'm at this gym. Right. This is my camp.
1: Plant your flag.
2: Yes, exactly. Fly your flag. Very family oriented. You didn't really go to different places or different gyms to get work today. It's, it's very normal to right. go to this gym and train or go to that gym, or I'm traveling here and jumping in a class, you know, in a, in a training session over here. So I think that as the sport has evolved, you you do now see fighters training more with their competition, with their future opponents rather than before when it was so family oriented. And so I'm with this gym, this is my fight team. Yep. I can't leave here, yep. um, which makes it kind of interesting because then now you throw what we just went through with the pandemic in, and now I feel like what happened with that is that it did it kind of, you know, everybody was kind of free for all and very free to go train here and there. But with the pandemic, you kind of had to find a coach, find a couple of teammates Yep. and now it became these tighter, tight niche camps. So it's interesting to see how that affects the sport in the next year or so, having that happen where the camps have kind of gotten smaller now and it's not such, you know, not as many big gyms. It's not so, you know, common to go here and there. You kind of had to isolate a little bit. Right. So I would like to see how that changes the sport.
1: Yeah, no, uh, that's one thing, too. I was talking to Frankie earlier uh, before we went on the, the air today, one of our producers, and he brought up that, uh, getting back to our main event, uh, Strickland trains at uh, Extreme Couture, uh, just spent some time there in the, in the past uh, with, with Eric Nixick and looking at uh, Uriah Hall. Hall was there as well, um, you know, not too long ago, and I, I don't know if their paths ever necessarily cross, but that's another thing, too, is the intel that you leave behind when you're training with a coach. like th- That coach is sort of in a moral quandary moving forward like if they saw some holes in your game do they share that with another fighter that is whether you know in in the camp permanently on a a more full-time basis or just passing through it's like what are you doing and that's the thing too at the end of the day like it's fighting you know all the information is really out there if you want to look hard enough and you know mixed martial arts you mentioned it's a tight-knit group like no matter how big this sport gets You know, the UFC could add several more billion dollars to its evaluation. The core group that makes this sport go around. I mean, it's relatively small. So it, it's very hard to go anywhere and not know someone that is either trained with someone or worked with someone. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting to, to sort of take that information and uh, see how it can be used uh, moving forward. And we'll see if that uh, is at all a factor coming up on, on Saturday night in our main event. Uh, getting back to our Twitch line, if you want to uh, ask us a question, please do so. Just throw it in the chat. We'll get it on. Uh, this one from Soul Fired Mon What is your favorite UFC bout? Of all time, oh man, this is tough. I don't, I don't.
2: Let's do a good question for you. Um,
1: I mean, I have my like favorite events. Um, and a lot of that was just due to like when I kind of came into the sport and you know the, the the fire that you have when you first found mixed martial arts it's, it's something special right like a, your initial passion burns hotter than a, any other time I think um, when you are a fan like m- my favorite fight card to this date still is uh, UFC 43 which was headlined by Chuck Liddell and, and Randy Couture it was their first meeting um, Marvin Eastman fights Vitor Belfort on that same card uh, Eastman gets a Terrible cut across his eyebrow from a a knee from Belfort. Um, Like, I I just, I love all of the UFCs. Like, I can remember just weird oddities about UFCs numbered 40 through 60. Like, pick a number 40 through 60. Uh,
2: 35.
1: That's not between 40 and 60. That's before (laughs) 40. It's all right. Try again. Strike one.
2: Uh, Okay. So let's do 43.
1: well, okay, 43 was Meltdown, um, headlined by Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture. It took place in <laughs> Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, it was at the Thomas & Mack Center, the first time the UFC ever went to the Thomas & Mack Center. Um, it was for an interim light heavyweight championship. Wow. And, uh, yeah. G- give me another number.
2: Uh,
1: 54. 54. Uh, 54 was called Boiling Point. It was headlined by chuck liddell and jeremy horn uh, took place at the mgm grand garden arena yeah i don't know sorry but yeah like i i just know stuff like that you you say like you asked me about the ufc that we went to three weeks ago i don't remember anything i think it was in vegas we drove there well i drove there.
2: you know i don't there are so many incredible moments but i think for me as a female in the sport um uh, the two that stick out to me the most would have been the Rousey versus Carmouche because that was such a historical night for women in the sport. It was the very first time women ever stepped foot inside of the octagon.
1: And Carmouche so, like, had yeah. that rear naked choke, man. I was freaking out.
2: It was in. and she like had a bite mark on her arm. I mean, it was intense. That was that was a really good good back and forth. And I would think the second one would probably probably have to be the home versus Rousey fight sure. in Australia. Yeah, and that fight, I mean. If I think about it in a way like that fight affected, I know it affected me for like a week. It, it shook the world. Yeah. It shook the world for several days after. And so there is just so much emotion in that because, you know, you looked at home and, and it was like this impossible feed and, and she did it and she like totally came and clutched that time and you just saw the emotion. And then we also had, had just saw like, the greatest female fighter ever. This, this, you know, amazing untouchable woman that seemed to be like at the time go down. And it was just such a change in the sport. And um, man, that was a very emotional one. So I would say that would probably one of the would be those are two
1: of the my top favorites. I uh, actually just watched uh, Holm and Rousey uh, again on the, uh, the live feed on UFC Fight Pass. It was on the 24-7 feed. And, uh, I mean, obviously, I know the result. Um, it's very historic and iconic. But I still found myself pacing. In my living room when it was on TV because the the energy is still there it's still palpable all these years later and um, uh, international fight week is is coming up here in September I've uh I've convinced the powers that be to give us a day Pearl where we like program the twenty four seven feed so we can throw up like all of our favorites and all that like that's really exciting for me maybe maybe not so much you but you can help me out because there there are a lot of minutes in twenty four hours and I got to fill it up with. Like programming.
2: Do you get a whole? You get a whole twenty four hours. Yeah. Whatever
1: you want. Play whatever we want. Wow. Yeah, it's exciting business. So uh, I might have to pick your brain a little bit, but I I think uh, everything that we just talked about, we're going to put on that twenty four hour. Uh, day. You are talking about uh, women's mixed martial arts and, you know, obviously the the fall of uh, Ronda Rousey down there in, in Melbourne to Holly Holm. Uh, this is not uh, quite a, a fall from grace by any means, but uh, it did feel like a kick in the gut. Amanda Nunes was uh, scheduled to uh, defend her Bantamweight title coming up here at UFC 265 against Juliana Pena. Unfortunately, that bout uh, is off uh, with Nunes uh, testing positive for COVID-19. Um, hopefully we get a uh, scheduled uh, you know, reschedule for that. But uh, again, like I, I know, we're getting better. We're we're getting back to normal each and every day. But you know, these high profile um, you know withdrawals uh, uh, fights, you know, for athletes uh, due to COVID nineteen, it's it's still a thing, and unfortunately, uh, it has impacted the the greatest uh, women's mixed martial artist on the planet today, and Amanda Nunes. Uh, you got to be bummed out because uh, I mean, two sixty five. Don't get me wrong. It's it's a fantastic card. It's still very much stacked. But anytime. Amanda Nunez is fighting, like, take my money, I'm gonna sit there and watch in, She's in the awe. the queen. Yeah,
2: she is the queen, but you know what kind of uh, uh touched me a little bit more is not only did she test, but her wife Nina and the baby yeah. test. Yeah, so that's kind of scary. I had I had COVID, it was absolutely horrible. Um, it really did shut down my lungs. I mean, it it, it did, it shut me down for 10 days where I was like bedridden so. I'm really, really hoping that, um, she doesn't have any symptoms or the family, they don't have any symptoms, you know, it's just a test it's, it's in their system, but it's not affecting their immune systems because it's pretty intense. So, uh, just wishing her a speedy recovery, you know, that she's always game, you know, that she was training so hard for this fight. She's improving so much every single fight. She just comes out and uses another skill. Shows us and treats us to another one of her tools that she has in her toolbox, Um, and I have no doubt that she was going to come out and do the same uh, in a couple weeks here. So hopefully this fight gets scheduled really soon, and uh, you know she heals up quickly and she's right back at it.
1: And that's the weird thing about COVID is you know for some athletes and and people it's devastating. You know, I mean it's taken so many lives, but at the same time I know plenty of people that have had COVID and we're walking around and didn't even know that they had it you know they tested positive and you know you obviously hope for the latter that you know no one's affected but again uh the fact that all, all three of them Nina their their child and, and Amanda um you know testing positive it's it's scary and uh wishing them the best of luck and as you said hopefully we get a, a, a reschedule relatively soon because Hate uh that. yeah but but i mean you know that's the thing too we don't want to rush it you know if she was impacted uh you know hopefully you know she can take all the time she needs to to get better I really Remember when you announced to the world that you had COVID and I got it.
2: Cried my eyes out.
1: I know it was in a bathtub. It was a video and people like, oh, check out Pearl Gonzalez in the bathtub. And it's like, oh no, this is a really sad video. This is not a, not a happy video. This (laughs) is,
2: oh my God, I was like so bummed out, but I was so sick and, like the lights affected my, you know, you were sensitive. I was sensitive to light. I didn't eat for like six days. I think I lost like 10 pounds. Hey, Just- lean to your
1: right a little bit. Lean to your right. Cause you, we can't see your left eye. There you go. Good.
2: You see my Perfect. left eye. Yeah.
1: Now you're good though. Now you're good.
2: Okay. So like it was intense. So I'm so glad that that's over and I'm kind of bummed I had to share that with everyone, but you know, I had to, to let it be known how emotional I was and how it really did impact me. So yeah.
1: But, I mean, that's that's what I love about MMA, and we're going to, you know, take a break here and, and welcome Adrian Yanez on the other side in a moment, but that's what I love about combat sports and mixed martial arts as a whole is the, the raw um, emotion and access that athletes are able to, especially with social media now, just reach out through the internet and, and just, you know, be right there and, and almost have a. I mean granted it's a one way conversation still but but have a conversation you know no BS just say this is where I'm at this is what I'm going through and uh, you know I'm, I'm sure it happens in, in other sports but in, in mixed martial arts it's just much more raw than it is in, in, in stick and ball sports I feel like a lot of those athletes uh, tend to feel like they need to play a part where in, in MMA like Pearl you're Pearl like I don't I don't have to like read between the lines when you talk you know about things especially nope. when you're, you're in a bathtub basically crying your eyes out because you're not gonna fight and you're sick like th- there's no what does this mean what does this really mean is this a a plan from her agent no no this is just you pouring your heart out to the world
2: crying my effing eyes out it was terrible
1: yeah terrible
2: <laughs> do we have any more questions no i don't
1: questions? know let me uh let me check with our producers frankie and steve frankie. hopefully we got uh, a couple more steve. Um. No, nope, just people uh, trying to figure out what's wrong with my brain that I can remember that UFC 54 was called Boiling Point, but I don't yeah, remember. I don't remember what my wife wore on her first date or what the day was of our first date.
2: For that.
1: Well, I mean, I'm just ready for like MMA trivia. You never know. Like, I need to be prepared. You know, this is <laughs> this is my uh, throne here. I got to defend like that title. If uh, you know, so uh, a few weeks ago we gave away the the Chase Hooper. T-shirts and then if you didn't know who Chase was, the, you who, got
2: a, the t-shirts or the big shorts? The
1: big shorts? Uh, well, well so we we had both. Uh they definitely gave away okay. the, the the boxers. But uh if, if people didn't know Chase, they ended up getting a TJ DeSantis signed UFC fight pass shirt, and the sixteen-year-old kid won, and he was just kind of a a sixteen-year-old kid about all of it, you know, just you know, acting like a sixteen year old. And I was like, All right, like fine, why, why don't we have you on the air and we'll do some MMA trivia? And then he's like okay let's make a bet and his bet was if i lost i had to fight francis and it's like no that's not gonna that's not real like you coming up with a bet like that that negates the whole contest that's not real
2: did but, you see francis uh his video that he just posted of someone punching him in the stomach and he's like drinking his coffee not even faced by it
1: no i was gonna ask you was he in the bathtub but
2: no he's uh, in the octagon okay someone's like punching the shit out of him in his stomach and he's like literally holding a little espresso cup and he's drinking his coffee unfazed, completely unfazed. And this dude has gloves on and is ripping body shots.
1: I mean, it must be good to be the heavyweight King, you know, like body shots. Don't bother you. I'm just going to have my morning uh, cup of coffee here.
2: Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It's a pretty awesome video. You should definitely check it out.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I kind of want coffee now, to be honest with you. It's been a long day. I've Uh, got some
2: hard kombucha, so I'm having a great time over here.
1: Uh, let's see here uh someone asked the most entertaining fighter of all time that is from PSN 2020 that's a good question what I mean what do you rank that as is like most entertaining when it comes to like interviews or from you know just fight uh ability alone um I mean I
2: mean okay so we have to we definitely you can't do this without bringing up Connor right, right because cause it's
1: a whole package there right with Connor
2: I mean, he came out with the suits. He came out always looking flawless. But he wasn't then the first he, one
1: to wear the suit, though. I
2: didn't say he was the first That's true. one. I said, That's true. But he came out with the suits where he made it a point to show fashion. He brought high fashion to the sport. And I don't know if he was the first one, but he clearly brought eyes to it and made sure he was always in, a, in, in high fashion of some sort, whether it was a top name brand, whatever. The watch game. I mean, he would wear million dollar watches. On top of that, though, if you really think about it, especially where we are in combat sports with celebrities, TikTokers, YouTubers, everybody that's getting involved in combat sports, he was the first one to even do that. I mean, right. This is before this was unheard of. He found a way to to, to create a fight with Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. Insane. Right. Insane.
1: I mean, so- Pearl, I remember yelling at everyone that was talking about the going, This is not going to happen. No one can make that happen. Connor made it happen.
2: And he made that happen. And then he brought his suits. Do you remember that suit that he had that it was pinstriped? The FU. It said, fuck you. Yeah. Like, that was awesome. Yeah. Like, he really did bring, then he brought liquor. He was the first one to kind of get into the alcohol scene, too. I don't know if he was the first one, but he was the mainstream, one of the mainstream. Right. So I was
1: going to say season one of the ultimate Ronda. fighter. They definitely brought booze to the scene. Season one of the ultimate fighter.
2: They did, but they didn't have their own alcohol. Later. It's
1: true. It's true.
2: Also, Ronda, though, look at Ronda. Do you remember when Ronda Rousey armbarred the vacuum? No. So this is back when she was doing her vlog. She was doing her own vlogs. And she was actually making fun of herself. And I believe this is when she was fighting Misha Tate for maybe the second time. Okay. And um, she's like, she had two little pigtails. I don't know if you remember, she'd wear her little pigtails with her glasses. And she's like, I'm Ronda Rousey. And she was like, because people made fun of her. She was a sassy ass. Right. And so she's like, I'm Ronda Rousey. I can armbar any, I don't know what she said. I don't really remember her exact words, but she had this little attitude and she grabs the vacuum cleaner and she does this like flying armbar on the vacuum. It was hilarious, but she was one of the first athletes in combat sports to bring vlogging, right? And to make vlogging a big thing and and showcase her life. And like, do you remember her house was trash? Like, she yeah, remember, I don't know, her couch was like upside down, yeah. and fucking holes in the wall. It was like a it crappy a one
1: bedroom place in like Venice.
2: And then she had like her little, uh, her Honda that she called Fonda and like, (laughs) you know, she really like showed you in, she allowed you inside of her life. And I, I really do think that that was kind of like the time when things started changing, when we started bringing, you know, you really utilizing the internet to showcase your personality. She really allowed for her personality to shine through and hers kind of hit mainstream right before Connors did. So it was, it was perfect timing for both of them. It was Rhonda and then Connor immediately after. Um, but I, when I think of the most entertaining fighters, to me, uh, I wouldn't say they're the most entertaining because we still have we have amazing athletes now. At Izzy, right? Izzy's incredible. Yeah. Like yeah. he's just one of those athletes, and he dances, and
1: he and he's and a total he package moves. too. He he's going to be a mainstream star. I really believe that. Like yeah, before, it's is. all like, but but I mean like. I have a hard time believing that he wouldn't be cast as as a movie star in a superhero film like that like again maybe it's like we were talking with uh, Carlos Correa and Lance McCullers not long ago a couple of Houston Astros that came on the show uh, both uh, you know big MMA fans and, and Carlos is a big Marvel guy and he's like I think Izzy would be a fantastic super villain and it's like he's not wrong like i think he would be phenomenal there i have a hard time seeing him not be cast like george st pierre george st pierre was uh in in, uh i think uh, captain america and the the winter soldier i think he got beat up by captain america by the way george was the first person to ever wear suits in mixed martial arts like press conferences
2: Ah, okay okay,
1: yeah um
2: he's definitely one of the greatest But yeah, yeah, no, I think and then you got a Sean O'Malley kind of newer generation coming in with the crazy hair and like the tattoos and all the craziness that he brings. So he's kind of got that new rapper flavor to him, I would say, the new urban scene and the rap game that he brings into this, that like Takashi 6ix9ine type vibe. So, you know, there, there, there's there's so many exciting stars, but those are the ones I think for me right now that kind of are at the top of the,
1: the game. I mean, I brought, you know, uh, shaved heads and, and hoodies and glasses to mix martial arts. You know, I was a fir- No, That's not true. That's not true. Yeah,
3: yeah, no, um, no.
1: Thanks. Thanks for you going did. with that. You know, that was a test pearl. I was just going to see how long you would just go with whatever I said to make me like, uh, be able to, you know, produce my own narrative. And I appreciate yeah,
2: I'm, it. I'm your cheerleader here. I you got are. You, back. you I are. Got you. I got you.
1: I, I, and I appreciate it. Cause man, like before we went on the air today, Whew. It wasn't you good. Want to
2: kill me? Not you.
1: Just my computer oh. in general.
2: Okay. I was so. like, well that that's nothing You usually do want to kill me right before, but it's okay. We, just have, no. we just have a kombucha and I'm okay. Yes. I don't know about you, but I'm okay.
1: All right. Well, uh, Pearl, you can you can go about your day. Go go live it up in Miami and you enjoy the rest of your night. Up. Uh well, say hello and uh, send my best and um, you know, invite her back to the chat room sometime.
2: I will.
1: Absolutely. Have a great night. Good night, everyone. Ciao. See you, Pearl. Bye. Pearl Gonzalez joining me all the time here on Extra Rounds. we still got more things to do today. Uh, Adrian Yanez just around the corner. We're also going to talk to uh, Isaac Butterfield. He's a up-and-coming comedian that is doing some stuff for UFC Fight Pass down under in Australia. So uh, stick around. A lot more yet to come. It is Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass. Hearing that Lee Murray was attached to one of the biggest bank heists in the history of the world, he had not surprised. He was fearless.
2: When we're going to have a fight, my job is to have a level playing field to make sure everything is done by the rules.
0: I want to be remembered as one of the greatest female fighters. It's from my country, it's from my family. All the things that have happened to me have
3: happened because of fighting, so fighting's life. My brother got diagnosed with cancer. He passed away. So now I want to give the best I can in this life. Oh my God.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, what a phenomenal night of fights.
0: Oh, my God, what a knockout. Huge oh. right hand. No other sport could give you this many moments.
1: back here on extra rounds on UFC Fight Pass, TJ DeSantis along with Pearl Gonzalez. Pleased to be joined now by UFC Bantamweight contender Adrian Yanez, who was in a hell of a fight uh last Saturday night against uh, Randy Costa. Pearl, you actually pegged this to be one of the fights of the night and, and they definitely delivered. Uh you know, I, I had to get Adrian on because uh you, you were so excited for that fight, Pearl.
2: Oh my goodness. Yes, I was. And I, I I told you that both of these young athletes are just so talented in striking their range, their, their distance, just their ability to strike. And it is, is so dynamic! It's he's next generation. These both of these young men are next generation MMA athletes, and so I'm super excited because
1: they definitely delivered. See, Adrian, the buzz is palpable. People like Pearl, myself, we're we're all getting excited, and you know that that's that's something to be said for someone who's so young in their UFC career, like yourself. I mean, the bonuses are are, are there too, and that's evidence of you know how how successful and and you know polarizing you are as a uh, an individual. But you know when you hear the buzz, when you hear people getting excited what does that do to your motivation as a young up-and-coming athlete
3: honestly for me it, it excites me just because man i i do want to be that guy that every single time i step in the cage that people are just like oh man like, he's in the cage this this this, this is going to be a good one i can't i can't wait till they like the bell rings and everything like i do want to be that fighter i absolutely do i want to be that guy that is uh everybody like stops, like they don't want to miss their pop. Like they don't want to miss this fight by going to go get their popcorn. Right. That like, or like in the stands, like oh man, this is the fight where everybody go gets their drinks. I don't want to be that guy. I'm not going to be that guy. And uh, I I feel every single time I've came came uh came into the octagon into the UFC, man, I I feel like I've only shown that I am that fighter. So. Uh, it, it excites me, and it and it gets me really excited to train, and it gets me really excited to uh, have my next performance. Because man, people are going to be tuning in, and the more the more times that I come up with more performances, like how like how I have, I think the more people are going to want to tune in, and the more exciting it's just going to be for me at the end of the day. Because man, hopefully one day I do I do get a main event spot.
1: Your love and passion for the sport definitely comes through in the way that you fight, but also in the way uh, that you sort of conduct yourself in these interviews. And you have something uh, pretty in common uh, with Pearl. Pearl was very close to her father who, you know, put put her towards mixed martial arts. And y- your, your father has some fighting roots as well. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your relationship uh, with your dad and how this escalated into you actually becoming uh, a professional fighter?
3: Oh man, absolutely. I love talking about my father, man. My, my father was like the biggest influence around me. He's, he was, uh, he's, the, he's, he's the guy, like, he, he's, right. he, he's, the, he's a, he was the man's man. And, and man growing up, uh, my dad would always tell me about his boxing stories about uh, a lot of his amateur fights and, uh, going to golden gloves and everything and, uh, winning some, losing some. And he would always, uh, teach me about the, win- the wins and losses, you know, they, they build you, you know, you take a win you still learn from it you take a loss you still learn from it so it's like uh that's the way i kind of uh think about mma you know same, all, all within the same and growing up uh my dad was avid avidly watching all the boxing fights so it was one of those that like i couldn't get i couldn't stray away from it I just, it was always on the big it was always on the big tv you you'd have to sit down you had to watch it and, you know i at points and times, whenever I was younger, I was like, oh, boxing again. But, you know, kind of thinking back about it, I'm like, man, you know, I kind of wish I can go back to those moments because I, I really do cherish those moments. And uh, seeing not only like – because at the time that I was growing up, I was watching most of the smaller guys fight. So I, I knew that I was never going to be the biz- biggest guy. and My dad knew it too. He would always point, point me to watch uh, Manny Pacquiao, Oscar De La Hoya, Floyd Mayweather, uh uh Barrera Morales those those crazy fights you know Mickey Ward uh all those Arturo Gotti. so we're just watching them and just seeing the the fights that they that they had and they had, like the the like the atmosphere that they were creating around every single event like man like every single time it was a big event at least in in, in our house just because like we'd have the living room packed up you know to the brim with family watching the fights and it it, it it's fun man and my dad gave me that passion. And uh, every single time we'd go on a drive, my dad would be talking to me about his, about the fights that he had and everything. And it's like, it just kind of drove me uh, to be wanting to be like my dad and trying to uh, follow in his footsteps. And uh, it, it led me into the path of MMA uh, one day. So it, it, it's, it's been amazing. So like, I, I we've been, I was like, really, we we're really, really close. Me and my brother were really, really close to my father. And, you know, I, I take, I take, his spirit. Every single time I go into the cage, uh, you know, I, I I take his spirit with me, and uh, you know, it's 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 always. Uh, it, I feel like I I fight I fight every single time, you know, to his uh, to to whatever he thinks my potential is, you know. Uh, you know
2: yeah no I I like to like right before my fights or my sparring sessions I kind of view it as like my daddy's watching me he would always come to the gym and watch me train and just sit there for hours while I would train and so I'm always like watch this dad and right before my fight that's like my thing like watch this watch what I'm gonna do you know and that's such a special story was he the one that even put you in boxing was boxing your first discipline um did you train with him how did you even get into the sport
3: so, uh, getting into it, like my dad, my dad, uh, he was a hardworking man. He would work uh 12, uh, 12 hour days. And uh, at times he'd come home really tired. So it was on the weekends every once in a while, he'll show me and my brother a little something here and there, but it was never really something really super consistent. Uh, because man, it just, the, the times I would be able to have with my dad, he'd be exhausted. So we just watch, you're watching a lot of TV or just taking cruises, uh, around, around Houston. And, uh, uh, so it was like, we really didn't get the, the, I didn't get the optimal chance with my dad to be able to train consistently. But, uh, the, the funny thing is that actually it was with my mom. One day we went to a mall and saw a jiu-jitsu like MMA place. And I was like, I want to try it. So it was pretty much my mom that got me Uh-oh. the door in MMA. Uh, but she didn't want me to do it. Uh, but I had to come back home and convince my dad to let me do the free trial <laughs> and everything. So after that, that's how, uh, that's how my, uh, foot got in the door with MMA and everything. Uh, but yeah, no, my dad, my dad was the like, same thing. He was, he was there at the gym every single day, uh, every single day. If I, I, I can go grab my dad's, uh, go grab my dad's phone from, uh, uh, and look at his gallery and man, all you s- will see is nothing but sparring footage of me and all my training partners. That's all list, mm-hmm. it, it list all the way down. I, I downloaded a couple just because it's, it was a uh, onto my phone, just because it was like, I need to watch my sparring, but man, uh, kind of going back, you know, you can hear my dad. being. It's cool. Cause I get to hear my dad being like, move here, move. It, it's, it, it's cool. It's wow. really fun memories. And uh, you know, it, everybody there, knew like everybody there knew my dad by, by name and everything. And uh, you know, he was really good friends with my coach. So it was, it, it all worked out. And we have like a, we had a really, really close tight knit relationship.
1: There, there was a long time where boxing and MMA had this rivalry. And if you were an old school boxing guy, you were kind of hesitant towards, you know, uh, adaptation to mixed martial arts and mixed martial arts being on the same level. W- was there a, a growing process or a learning process for your dad or was he like super supportive of the sport? Yeah, no he was he was super super supportive he was really super
3: supportive uh, there there was uh, there was honestly like it, it was all on me honestly I remember in middle school uh, having having uh, arguments with people being like uh, boxing was better than MMA and uh, that was before I even had my first jiu Jitsu class telling I'd be arguing to my like my face was purple that boxing was super better than MMA, and I would die on that hill but now I'm like on the other side of the hill but uh no it it it, it wasn't it wasn't nothing like I, th- I thought my dad would have had a would have been like no no don't do that that's you no know, we're gonna get you we're gonna find you a boxing gym and everything uh, but no he was honestly super supportive I think the only drawback that he had was uh Going from regular training shorts, like the the board shorts, to uh, valetudo shorts, my right. dad I was like, "No, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was the only that was the only drawback." But once once I started wearing them more often, he was like, "All right, okay." It's Still weird to me, but <laughs> that was
2: hilarious. Um, I have a I, so you know I'm just so impressed with your range. And your ability to, to to measure your distance and the way that you put your hands and your feet together and you just transition so well into the ranges is that something that you train specifically? Are you are you training a lot of distance and range, or is this something natural for you?
3: Well, there's there's a uh, it's 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 a uh, kind of kind of a, a bit of both. It's always been a bit of both I like training. Like training is like trying to find the happy medium in between it, but I always I always uh knew like if I'm too close or I'm too far and I always I could always feel it in my feet or like I could always feel myself whenever I'm leaning I, I can catch myself doing a lot of things and uh, and it not feeling natural and everything, but uh it, it took a lot of training for me to actually uh, get get all that uh, and kind of mix it together, and uh, how can I say it? To be able to implement it because I knew I had the skills. I remember talking to my coach once he's like, No, you have you have the skills. You have you can see it like your vision, you have really great vision, but we have to just train train you to actually be able to do what you want to do. Like you like you know what you want to do, it's just you can't pull it off right now. You have a really great vision. So uh it, it took it took a lot of time. It took a lot of time and training just, just for uh just for me to be able to do what I wanted to do, but Vision and the timing and everything. I I, I knew I knew I had it because uh, it's like like the biggest thing for me was just being able to see a lot of things and the timing comes with more training and the practice and the, and the more you uh, more you drill things it, it comes a lot more easier. And uh, I had I had great coaches and I had like a, a, a great coach and a great great father who would tell me all the time it like it's it, it's gonna work out. Just keep trusting the process.
2: Wow, that's awesome. So, would you say is there any particular? type of drilling or um, any kind of training that actually really helped that or you saw like was the most beneficial to you understanding, you know, when to use your hands or when to use your feet?
3: Uh, so it, it, it's been – it was more of uh, me and my coach being able to get a lot more one-on-one uh, during the mid-sessions and mm-hmm. having him uh, – my coach is, is a real big proponent of like uh, boxing and Muay Thai, so he would always – he would always keep me on my toes and have me moving around the cage and still throwing combinations and still uh, – and and be mixing up the combinations. He never had me just do – he never just had me do the one-two or the one-two-three the whole entire round. It was always, like, something different. It was, like, a one-two, shoulder roll right, then move around, jab, right, kick. And then it was, it was all – like, it wasn't just one set of combinations. It was always a mixture of high and low – uh, yeah. It was always different variations. So it was always the mitt holding on on our end. And then whenever once we we're done with sparring, he would always make us uh, get on the bag and always make us change the levels on the uh, on the combination instead of just it being like a, a one two the whole entire time until you're tired. It was a jab then right low kick or a one two left head kick. You know, it was always yeah. it was always uh, mixtures of, uh, of of those drills.
2: Um, I just have one more question. So you said in your uh... Right after your fight, you said you weren't happy with your performance, and that was to me. I mean, you dealt with adversity. You dealt with a very tough opponent. What were you? What were you not happy about? Because it was an incredible performance to the world.
3: Oh, man, uh, I, I lo- kind of looking back at it, like I, I, I definitely know where my head was at because I felt like it should have been. I, I just have really like super high expectations of myself and I just set the, the bar super high every single time I step in the cage and I I want like flawless performances. Like every time I think about it, I was like I wanna be I wanna be Floyd Mayweather with the defense but Manny Pacquiao with my offense. Like that I think of it like that every single time. And like in that first round he came out, he came out and uh, something that I I should know how to be able to get out the way from was that jab and he kept it in mm-hmm. my face. Kept popping me in the face with it, and it looked really bad for the first uh, for the first three three minutes. And he was doing a good, really good job. All props to Randy uh, mixing up the uh, mixing mixing up what I thought he he was going to do because I thought he was going to come really kick oriented, and uh, he came in super jab, super boxing heavy, and uh, something where I'm supposed to shine at uh, the boxing area. I felt I should have been able to handle that a lot more easier. and uh, I should have been able to adapt a lot faster, like on the fly, uh, been able to get out the way of the jab a lot more. Um, uh, but I didn't. So going back, so going back into that corner, I had to kind of calm myself down, uh, during the fight. Like I was really upset with myself. I knew it was like, I'm not mm-hmm. upset. i was super, super upset because, uh, it was, uh, I shouldn't have gotten hit with that many jazz. And then, uh, sitting back and actually finally watching the fight i even had gotten even more <laughs> upset with myself because i saw the ranking numbers i was like 10 to 43 seeing that and i was like I, I got so mad i was like that should never happen that absolutely should never happen and i'm uh again like i'm just my own harshest like i'm i'm my biggest critic i'm, I'm always going to be my own biggest critic and uh I'm always going to be that harsh on myself because I have like such really high expectations. But if I pull myself away from that and actually like watch my fight as a fan, it is a really fantastic fight. It is a really good, fantastic mm-hmm. fight to watch because, uh, like, man, the comeback, being able to deal with the adversity, being able to, to handle and be able to take the shots to, from somebody who puts almost and, like all of his wins are by first round knockout. So, me mm-hmm. to be able to out to, uh, to be able to to endure all that and still come back and make the proper adjustments and walk him down and get to finish, and it's a great fight. Uh, yeah. Me, the fighter, personally, it's I'm just my harshest critic, and I, I just can't get past that.
2: Oh, my goodness. So, last question before TJ kills me. Was there a particular strike or a moment in the fight where you knew the tides had changed? Because it was like he was doing great, doing great. And then your jazz started landing and then you started implementing and then it was over. So for me, I, w- I didn't see like there wasn't like a strike that I saw. Was there something that you saw where you knew I got this? I'm on my way out.
3: So mm-hmm. I, I it, it, it was like a mixture of things because I was throwing kicks and I was trying to stop his forward momentum. And trying to stop his and trying to limit his movement. So I did throw a lot of calf kicks. I did throw oblique kicks, and uh, there was a couple that did get get, get to him very, uh, very good. Uh, but honestly, it wasn't those. It was actually like because I threw a double jab cross, and it came nowhere near landing within. I think it was in the first minute or minute or two, and then early, later on in that fight, I threw that same combination, but it almost like the the. Uh, the straight the straight right almost landed like it came close like about an inch away from landing and that's at that point i figured i was like oh i got it like it it, it didn't even have to land i just knew from like from whenever i first threw it so whenever i whenever i threw it again the same combination that it came this much closer to landing i was like oh okay i got this i just need to start walking him down it's just the tide changed for me at that moment even though he did Ooh a little bit later on right after that i knew that it was just a matter of time because i just i went from missing it by that much to like that much and i was like oh i'm closing i'm closing the gap i'm I'm about there
1: Adrian wow. you, you had a performance that sometimes makes me a little bit nervous in the sense that you did so well making the adjustments between rounds 1 and 2 that sometimes i feel like fighters um, almost are blamed for for losing a fight rather than their opponent winning because you know the first fight was was Costa's round or the first round was 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 Costa's round but you you were so dominant in the second that i i, I was worried that maybe people were going to say well well Costa faded and it wasn't necessarily what Adrian did that. There. But walk me through why, Why? what was it that sort of, uh, again, not necessarily like led you to believe that you could get the finish, but what was it that that uh, allowed you to sort of put the pedal to the metal there? Because it, it, like Pearl said, like once you took over, it was just yours for the taking. I think it, it
3: was just, it was just the mixture of a lot. And then also too, like he was the one walking forward on me the whole entire time. I didn't take an initiative and I, and I needed to. I needed to take the initiative from the very beginning, and uh, the minute it was all about who was controlling the center of the octagon, and whoever controlled that center was the uh, was going to be uh, leading the dance, and whoever was leading the dance is more than likely uh, one the one winning the fight. And you can really tell as soon as you look at that look at that beginning of the, of the fight. Randy commanded that center, and I had a hard time getting it back. But once I started commanding the center, Randy had the hardest time getting it back. It's just I was able to execute and be able to place my shots a little bit better than than he did. And then uh, once I, once once I found out I knew he couldn't fight off the back foot. It was more of like, okay, I am gonna be pushing you back, and I got you on the back foot. Now I'm I'm here. I'm commanding the center. And then whenever I saw, and I have a really good really good shot selection. I have a really good shot placement. And that's one thing I'll give myself credit for, even though I. Don't like to give myself credit for a lot of things. Uh, I do give myself credit for shot selection. So as soon as I had him on the fence, uh, on the fence, I knew, I knew what I needed to do, and uh, I just knew I had to make the shot open for myself because I, uh, my corner called for it. The uppercut was there, but I knew I had to kind of almost do like a distracting thing and not just load up for it because we were right in front of my corner. And as soon as uh, they called for the uppercut, he tightened up. Mm-hmm. and made it not not there anymore so i knew i had to open it back up and as soon as i did i landed it i was able to land it but uh you know it, it and even coming back to uh that like i'm i'm uh i've been i i don't know if it's just me but i i have seen uh, seen people being like no it was uh the reason why randy lost was like the the, the cardio or pace it, it, and honestly uh even Randy going back going back to Rand, even Randy has come out and said like no like I he's like cardio wise I felt great he's like I was in the best shape of my life and uh, you know it was all me I made the right adjustments I was kicking his legs and I, I found his liver earlier in that fight which coming back to that again like I, in the in that first round towards the end I did land two good body shots on him uh, and you know I did notice that that it did affect him so uh it, it's it's kind of hard cuz it's it is like one of those uh I, that's i think that's an also another thing that kind of like uh that makes me not uh makes me kind of upset cuz i'm like uh, about the first round is that man like that's the general consensus how i like me looking at it that's that's how i would feel uh and i don't want that i don't want the i don't want the stigma of that being right. around i want to if if i win i want it to be super dominant and you know i think that's that's uh I think that's also another part that kind of makes me a little bit angry because I, I I do expect really high results for myself. I expect my like myself to be at at a higher level, and uh, kind of that first that first round didn't go my way the way I th- I thought it should. But uh, you know you can't go back and change. it. You can only just work on things, and that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm gonna work on it to make it make sure that never happens again.
1: Some of these frustrations that you had, I think, are ultimately what maybe led to you getting a bonus in this fight because you know a a fight like that where it's bonus worthy, it's got to go you know back and forth. So I think you you were compensated for some of the frustration uh, that you had. You know, bring me in the corner a little bit though, because you know this is a sport where you're only going to be as good as the adjustments that you make, uh, the higher caliber of opponents that you stand in front of. Uh, what did what did your coach say, and, and what really uh, you know spoke to you in between rounds? make you come out like you did in the second
3: yeah so once i came back into the corner I, I was automatically like hard on myself i was harsh on myself but i was consistent i was i was just kind of just like i'm better than this i'm better than that like i'm like i was mad and he's and he was just re- re- doing the right thing and just kind of calming me down because i i i was kind of starting to get tense again and i was like in the first three minutes i was like kind of looking for one shot to not to try to knock him out early but uh uh, he got me back to the corner, calmed me down. And he was like, "Look, set everything up. Like, you you're looking for one shot. I, one shot. I need you to stop. I know you're better than this, and you know you are. You know you are. Call like, just it's all right, man. The first round's done with. Now it's time to start making these adjustments. He's like, "I want you to start ending off with leg kicks. You know, uh, they're they're hurting them. They're getting to them. He's like, set everything up. Don't load up. Keep it nice. Keep it fluid. Keep your head movement going. Don't just stay sticking in the mud. Don't just stand in one place." Like, if you can put them on the back foot, put them on your back foot, and uh, you'll 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 start working in. You started you started getting loose towards the end of that round, and that's what we want. We want that. We want you to start walking them down. We want you uh uh to be very to very to be very loose and be very fluid. Don't don't stiffen up because that's whenever you start getting caught. And uh, came back into the corner and like after after that after that day, the seconds came out, and then I saw the I saw the screen. I saw me being bloody, and I was like. All right, <laughs> all right, let's go.
1: All right, I got to get it done. So, but, I mean, it's, it's it's good to hear. You know, blood is something that uh, I think can really sort of send fighters in in a variety of different ways. Some people panic. Some people get motivated. You you seem to get fired up by it. Um, do you do you ever get angry? Like I know you're talking about being frustrated, but do do you ever get emotional? And do, do emotions propel you at all in a fight?
3: man i try to keep all the emotions away like even happy sad whatever i try to keep them all at bay uh just because like i know if you have a certain emotion it creates some it creates some type of a uh, how can i say it like it'll either make you fight better or fight worse and right. just to throw it all throw it all out and just fight you just be the fighter who you truly are you know with no emotions uh and i think that's the best way to fight uh walking in i like i was at, at first and at once i got hit with the first three jabs i got i got mad i was frustrated i was like i shouldn't be getting hit with these jabs like by the fifth one i was really like just started loading up on shots and uh i really wanted to get him out there because i was really frustrated uh that he was landing so many jabs at such a high pace and, uh that that got to me and i was like okay i need to calm down and once i calmed down that and uh, started fighting started being more calm and started thinking about the technique and started thinking about uh what i needed to do that's whenever i started calming down and stop and stop thinking with my emotions because uh, cuz emotions will play a big part in this will be play a big part of it you see a lot of fighters who fight angry and next you know the next 3 minutes later they're exhausted they're tired uh, you see guys who fight really happy and really excited and next you know they're they're exhausted and they're tired whenever you see the fighters with the controlled the emotions they those are the guys that are usually able to go fight fights pretty easily uh pretty good example is look look at uh look at Fedor back in his prime, man, calm as calm as it can be. Look like he was just walking through the park, you know, with his headphones on, man. So that's that's something that I like to like to strive to do is uh, be as calm as possible. So whenever uh things things start going not my way, you know, I'm able to get back up and uh think about think about the mistakes I made and then make the adjustments.
1: This is a sport where you're only as good as what you've done lately. You're only as good as your last fight. Your last few fights have been pretty damn good. A- any idea where this uh, puts you in the hierarchy? Has anybody said uh, you know what might be on the on the horizon for you, Adrian?
3: Man, honestly, honestly, I haven't thought too far ahead, but I know there's a lot of people who have been at, like been uh, throwing some names at me and everything. Uh, uh right now. I'm just looking to be in the top 25 because this, this division is super, super stacked Uh, top 25, at least, you know, top 25, at least, you know, if if I can be, if I can be in the top 20, that's, that's phenomenal. Uh, I know how stacked this division is. A lot of these fighters, they're, they're uh, you know, one, one win and they knock you out. So uh, they knock you out of the, the, the ranking. So that's, I just want to make sure I solidify my spot in the top 25, top 20, and then eventually get myself to the top 15 so I can solidify my position in the top 10. Right. <laughs> that's, where I'm, that's that's where my head's at. So uh, really, no no, no opponent really comes to mind, but I really want to get get a fight in as soon as possible.
2: What uh, what was the first thing you ate after your fight?
3: Man, uh, so right after, right after, what was, oh, I had crumble cookies. So Ooh. crumble cookies was uh, So my manager has had it sent to my uh, had it sent to my room on Friday after the weigh-ins, and I'm just like, I really, I really didn't want. <laughs> I, re- I I really wanted to eat them, but I was like, I knew better. I should, I should wait for the, I should wait for after the fight. So, as soon as I came back, I just had a whole bunch of crumble cookies. I ate the whole four, four, uh, four cookies in that box, and I, I was in heaven. I was oh my Pepper, Dr. Pepper. It doesn't go together, but it, it went together that day.
1: <laughs> I, I and, mean it, it sounds like you think Dr. Pepper goes with everything. It does. It absolutely does. Even when it doesn't.
2: <laughs> that's awesome. What about hobbies? Do you have any other hobbies outside of uh training? Is there anything that you do?
3: Man, honestly, it's uh I'm trying I'm trying to uh like I'm still kinda a kid at heart, so I do like to play video games a lot. So like I'll be uh Ooh, what do you play? Uh, I play Apex Legends. Apex Legends. Really? That see, yeah.
1: everyone's playing like uh, Warzone, or I mean, younger oh, yeah. kids play Fortnite. But I, you're the first person I've ever heard say uh, Apex.
3: Yeah, man. Man, I just couldn't get into. I couldn't get into it. I do like the. Uh, I do like whenever I hit a shot, hit a shot on somebody. Like I, I like the feel of that game. Like I like the being able to do certain abilities and all that stuff. Like I think it's. I think it's pretty cool. And then also too, what's really great about it is that they have a. Like I'm a sucker for a story. Okay. And if you can, if you can uh, reel me in with a really good story, uh, they uh, they have that. And just like how, like whenever I play Mortal Kombat, like I am a sucker for the story. I don't even necessarily even have to play like the uh, uh, play the like the games for for very long. I will go back just just to watch the cutscenes, just so I can just watch the story because I I love it. Man, I love I love I love a good story.
1: I love it. You should, uh, I don't know if you've played it yet, but Cyberpunk is really good. It was a little bit buggy at first, but you should you should check out Cyberpunk. Um, Shoot, I, I, I can't speak much for Pearl's video game background other than one time in a Mexican airport, I watched her do virtual reality boxing where she was like <laughs> literally almost hitting passersby. Like Pearl man, and virtual reality is bad.
3: Those, man, I was thinking about getting one. Like I really want one. I really want one bad. The Oculus, right? Yeah. Yes,
2: it's so dope. It is so dope. It's so much fun. And then you have like a little house and you have the coolest house ever in there where you like your hub and it's like a real house and you really feel like it's yours. It's it's cool. The game is amazing.
1: I'm telling you, she came like three inches away from hitting somebody that was just walking by not paying attention.
3: Somebody's about to get knocked up.
1: <laughs> hey, uh, last question, Adrian. I know things are changing for you. You got a baby on the way. What, what is that like? What are you expecting, uh, you know, uh, life as an active fighter and, and, and a father to be like?
3: Man, uh, I get to be the the biggest excitement for me is I get to be what my dad was to be. You know that that's like I I was just, I was actually like super excited uh, yesterday yesterday on the way back because uh, like I like I was supposed to go look for clothes for me but I ended up like going and started looking at uh, kids clothes and be like man I could dress my son like this he's gonna be a mini me and just kind of like I, I was so excited. I, Ah oh, man, like I was, I was, I wasn't even looking for me. I was supposed to. I was, uh, right. uh, I was looking for me, and then also, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's great, man. I, I, I'm super happy. I'm super excited, man, because it's just, it's just. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know how to explain. It. Like I'm, I'm just pumped because uh, it's like I, I get to be what my dad was to be right. and it's, it's my, it's, it's, it's. It's a boy, you know. Like I, I get to have that relationship with the, uh, with with the son, you know, and and that's I think that's super cool because it, it 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 honestly I thought like I, I kind of had this like mind like man to be a fighter, man, you had to want to do it. Like, you had to want to do it. You don't have to find things to motivate you. You don't have to do – like, you had to be like, man, if you get up in the morning, you, you shouldn't have to listen to motivational tapes. You should just want to do it. Go do it. And and after that, like, man, I get up and I'm like, man, I, I want to do this so I can better, like, better my kid's future. I want to go out there and, like, start setting stuff, stuff up where, like, my kid doesn't have to worry about anything. Like and then also too, it gives me a different type of motivation where I'm like, man, if I get that belt, I could show my kid that like where like I could show my kid that if you put your mind to it, anything right. is possible. Like I, I get that I get I get that option. I can be like a, like my kid's first role model, my 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 kid's superhero superhero and like man like, I I'm super excited for all this. I'm I'm excited for it. I, and like, <laughs> I have no much other to explain, but man, I'm just super happy and super excited that like I'm going to I'm going to have a baby boy and here in December and Christmas is about to get really, really expensive from now on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I d don't get mad if he likes Mr. Pib over Dr. Pepper. You know, kids like to rebel, Adrian. So you no, no, that
3: that's the one thing. It's it was it was the Valatuto shorts for my father, is gonna be the Mr. Pib for me.
1: Right? <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Adrian. Well, best of luck, uh, you know, welcoming your son in uh into the world uh, in December and whenever the call comes and you got another fight, we'll have you back on extra rounds and uh, we would love to break it down with you. Oh,
3: man, thank you so much, man. It was an honor. Thank you. all
1: Hearing that Lee Murray was attached to one of the biggest bank heists in the history of the world, he had not surprised. He was fearless.
2: When we're going to have a fight, my job is to have a level playing field to make sure everything is done by the rules.
0: I want to be remembered as one of the greatest female fighters. It's for my country, it's for my family. All the things that have happened to me
3: have happened because of fighting, so fighting's life. My brother got diagnosed with cancer. He passed away. So now I want to give the best I can in this life. Ladies and gentlemen, what a phenomenal night
1: of fights.
0: Oh god, what a knockout! Huge right hand! No other sport could give you this many moments.
1: We're back here on Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass, TJ Desantis, now joined by—I don't know if it's a like self-touted thing or if it's a true fact—but the fastest-growing Australian comedian, Isaac Butterfield, who you're going to see a lot more of here on UFC Fight Pass, joins me now. Uh, Isaac, how are you, sir?
0: Good, mate. Good. Very well, thank you. And it is a—it's uh, a peer-reviewed fact. Scientists have studied it for many years that I am the fastest-growing. Uh, comedian in Australia. I used to say the biggest, uh, I'm six foot eight. So that was uh, that was a claim to fame that I could back up. But uh, you know what? It sounds a lot more uh, narcissistic and up myself that uh, the fastest growing. So I like that. I like to just put that out there. Whether or not it's true, who knows?
1: I mean, who needs to fact check? Really, it's it's 2021. The truth never got in the way of a good story. And, How boring, and, right? How boring. Exactly. But it's what fitting. It's fitting because I mean, if you're the fastest growing comedian, it makes sense that you cover the fastest growing sport in the world, which I believe is is mixed martial arts. And uh, not only are you uh, you know producing content about it, you actually are getting on the mat a little bit. I hear you got two stripes on your Brazilian jiu-jitsu white belt.
0: Mate, I, I haven't trained in, in jiu-jitsu for about a year because of the rona and then that all happened and it just sort of uh, uh, got in the way of that. But uh, no, two stripes. So you may say that I'm a pretty big deal. Uh, so uh, watch out for wrist locks. Um, but that's about it. Um, I, I, love, I, I love the sport of MMA and, and mixed martial arts is just something that's just so... Uh, enthralling for me. I, I grew up playing a contact sport uh, known as rugby league, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I loved the the violent aspect of it, and uh, that's sort of been lost in that particular game over the last, you know, ten to fifteen, maybe twenty years. And and that's where uh, martial arts or mixed martial arts rather has really stepped in for me as a fan. And I've been involved as a fan of the sport for the last maybe six or seven years, and. Um, it's really just so so perfect and, and great to watch how much it's grown and, and how many people get behind it. You only have to look at the people that are in the crowd, every you know, race, gender, ethnicity, background, everyone loves it. And it's just, it's so fantastic to see. Particularly here in Australia, mate, you, this is what I always say to people when I explain how big uh, the UFC is in Australia. When, when we have a big sporting event, a lot of people go to pubs uh, and, and clubs here in the country and we all sit around and have a couple of beers and watch watch the event. We will get a massive turnout to any main event that the UFC hosts.
1: Really? Uh, no matter who's involved.
0: It will it will not matter if it's well, I mean, you know, if if it's a if it's a card that may be a little bit lackluster, perhaps it's a bit smaller. But if you have a big card with a couple of you know championship fights on it, you will get a packed pub. And you only see that in Australia when there's a grand final on or, or, or a final event or whatever it happens to be. So to get that you know, week in or, or month in, month out um, at, at main events, it's massive. So it's, right. it's a massively growing sport and you only have to see and, and look at the, the numbers that turned up to Melbourne a few years ago when Holly Holm defeated Ronda Rousey, the biggest yeah. uh, crowd in, in, in the history at that point. So, uh, mate, it's a great sport. We love it down here and I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it myself.
1: I don't want to start any rivalries between the the great country of Australia and Canada, but for a long time uh, Canadians seem to be like the most ravenous mixed martial arts fans. But as of late, I, I think that title belongs to the the Aussies and and maybe the Kiwis as well, as as New Zealand's doing pretty well for itself in the MMA space.
0: They certainly are. Um, there's uh, there's something in the water in New Zealand. It's some amazing fighters coming out of there. But we just there's something about Australians. Maybe it's our background and. Of being convicts uh, and just bad people in general, but they seem to love violence, um, and and uh, and people just yeah they get behind it. They love the rivalries and the uh, and the art itself. So uh, I wouldn't go to say that we're outperforming Canada yet, but uh, we're working towards it. We're only a small country of 26 million people, so give us time. But we'll get behind it, uh, and I think it'll become uh, the national pastime in, in years to come, perhaps.
1: Yeah, pound for pound, I think the hunger is is very much real and on par with any of the other international destinations, uh, probably more so uh, f- for Australia than maybe some other destinations. You, you already said one city that the UFC has done pretty damn well in, and I have some controversy here. I, I take umbrage with the way John Anik says the name of the M-City because y- you have a way that you say it. Americans have a way that we say it. John Anik says Melbourne. And to me, I don't think that's right. I don't think you should put on an accent. Like I don't think you should say Melbourne because it's not Melbourne. That, that's a place in Florida. But I think as an American, I should say Melbourne because if I say Melbourne, then I'm doing like a character voice for just one word. I mean, you're in Australia. You got you to gotta put this uh, issue to bed for me.
0: So in Australia, we have different, you know, different names that, or different words that we change up because we just, I don't know, we're, we're convicts and bad people. And so to take, for example, the top of Australia, there's, a, there's a, a city called Cairns. Now, it's spelled Cairns with an I, R-N-S. Now, you would pronounce it as Cairns, right. I, I guess, perhaps. Probably. But we, we drop the R out. We forget about the R and it's just Cairns. That's all it is, Melbourne. That's all it right, is, right? Right. You know, we, we, we don't but have. What, time what am I supposed to, to say? Us. What, what Mate, is John Anik it.
1: supposed to say? Melbourne, Melbourne. Just
0: stay, if you just say it really quick, people can't catch it. Melbourne.
1: Right, but like, so for me, like, I think of like the other dialects of the English accent, and if I say, if I'm in Boston, I'm going to say, "Oh, you got a nice uh, swimming pool in your backyard." I'm not going to say, "You got a nice swimming pool in your backyard." You know what I mean? Yeah. I just yeah, yeah. These you are dumb to... things that people like me that work in broadcasting think way too much about, Isaac.
0: Well, I don't want to go out on a limb and accuse uh, John Anik of culturally appropriating the Australian uh, vernacular, but uh, I may have to do that. Uh, John, pull your head in. That's outrageous. I can't believe he's doing this. I wasn't aware, but uh, I'm thoroughly offended.
1: I mean, like, to me, I, I see where he's coming from because y- you want to try to say athletes' names the way that they say their names, right? Like, sure. um, You know, you, you say Hoist Gracie. You don't say yes. Royce, but at the same yep. time, if the word is similar in both, you know, dialects, like why would I put on an accent for the word? I don't know. I don't know. You don't need to, but
0: it's a nice way to fit in. And I guess if, if Australians are watching, uh, they want to hear, hear you say it the way that we would say it. But right. um, I, I don't think it really matters as long as you don't call it Melbourne. Right. Exactly. That's fine. Right. That's like that's the big no, no. So don't call it Melbourne and you'll be sweet.
1: Well, there might be a reason John Anik uh, has the best job in mixed martial arts, and I'm just hanging out on Fight Pass. But I that's digress.
0: All right.
1: It's all good. It's all uh, good. H- I mean, the the obvious question here that I should have led with Isaac is how many shoeys have you done in your career?
0: None. I don't do shoeys. I don't do it. I don't blame it's you. Is- what is that? I mean,
1: that's that's like a brand thing. That's like that's just got to be Ty's thing, right? I mean, I know other people well, do it, but I, I just I could never do that.
0: Well, there's, this has been the story with a lot of different things throughout history. Like the people have done it previously, but that one person makes it their own. And I think that's what Bam Bam's done. He has, he is now like, they used to do it in the Formula One racing, the So There's a few guys there that would do it. And I know a, a fellow comedian, a friend of mine, Frenchy, he does them on stage. And I was with him for the Melbourne Comedy Festival, uh, rooming with him. And every single night, you do like 26 nights of shows. He would have a shoe, his shoe, out the front on the balcony drying every morning because he's doing shoeies. Oh, people man. have asked me to do them during shows. I'm like, no, mate, no, right. leave yeah. me alone. But you know, um, if, if if Ty wants to, you know, drink out of a shoe, all the power to him. I saw what happened with the hot sauce um, after his knockout of Greg Hardy, and that was um, that's pretty terrifying. And that's something you got to think about too. Like if you're getting shoes off people in the crowd, right. you know, you don't know, you don't know what's in them. You, you don't want to get spiked or, or, or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's it's a bit scary.
1: I mean, I don't know if tough actin to is something that was bad for your stomach. I assume it would be, but you don't know what people spray in their shoes. Like, uh, God right. forbid anyone would grab my I would just feel terrible. I would feel like I need to give them punitive damages if they put my shoe up to their face with or without any beverage inside of it. I just Absolutely.
0: Can't. I mean, I've got, I've got Ugg boots on now. And nice. if you drank anything from these you would be doing a whole lot worse than pronouncing Melbourne as Melbourne. It would exactly. absolutely, it may kill you. It may, it, or it might make you
1: better. I don't know. One of the might, two. Might, e- either you're going to improve yourself or you're going to die. You know, it's going to you know. go either way. Um, you know, looking at the evolution of mixed martial arts in Australia, uh, I remember uh, you know, when when I first got involved in mixed martial arts, the real only Australian fighter was, was the King of Rock and Rumble and Elvis Sinisec and we see all the uh, the evolution of, of these fighters down under, you know, finding their way to the biggest promotion in the world and the biggest uh, uh, fighting under the, the brightest of lights. Um, when did you first become aware of mixed martial arts Isaac and, and were you immediately drawn to it or did it take a minute for you to sort of Ah, uh, be open to the idea of of that sort of combat.
0: I'm not sure where the um, where the first time I sort of became interested in it. I know I used to watch a little bit um, e- when I, I was actually living with my grandparents, and i I, I saw that there was this uh, this UFC on, and I was watching it, and and I was sort of I didn't really understand the the ground game, the jiu-jitsu, or the wrestling. And I know my pop would walk out and he'd be like, what are you watching? What is right. this? Two grown men sweating on each other. Um, it wasn't until people like, you know, even like Ronda Rousey taking the sport mainstream-ish and then <laughs> with, with Conor McGregor taking it mainstream um, When he was doing his world tour to fight Jose Aldo, that's when I just became like, I just said, this is my sport now. And I know a lot of people go. Oh, listen, if you if you like Conor McGregor, then you're just a casual viewer and all that type of stuff. Listen, I love Conor. I, I know a lot of people hate him, and you got the bigger you get, the more people hate you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But, mate, I, I, he brought me into the sport and and gave me. Um, gave me the ability to sort of understand what was going on and start to enjoy other fighters and become fans of other fighters. And then things like uh, Joe Rogan's podcast with the the fight companions and uh, talking to MMA fighters on there and, and just getting behind it and understanding the stories behind people. And then um, further down the track, training in uh, boxing gyms, kickboxing gyms and understanding the the art itself. That, that really gave me the ability to sort of sit back and go, wow, this is um, – by far the toughest sport uh, on the planet. And it really allows you to uh, feel a sense of uh, well, sit back in awe of some of these, uh, these, these athletes and what they can do and what they can sustain and keep moving forward. I, I think it's just, it, it's unbelievable.
1: You know, I've followed the sport for the better part of 20 years at this point, And I remember the seminal moments of, of the sport uh, expanding. And, you know, there were, was always sort of, sort of hesitancy from hardcore fans when it comes to adopting sort of new fans. You know, it was uh, you're a tough noob back in the day. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've been called a noob, Isaac, for the last... Better part of 20 years, to be honest with you. Just everyone seems to be so protective and and want to puff out their chest. I think we're getting away from that. It doesn't matter if Conor brought you in or if Ronda brought you in. What really matters is that you got here and then you took the time to actually educate yourself and become a hardcore mixed martial arts fan. And it's great to see uh, the expansion and evolution of the UFC's brand and mixed martial arts as a whole uh, down under. And uh, I'm excited to see some of the stuff that you're going to be producing for Fight Passes. You know, we we get more. You see, I I think they brought you in because I'm not very good at speaking English the way it is. And you got that great Australian accent. So uh, you're just classing it up the it. joint.
0: That's it, mate. And i tell you what, we're all in lockdown in Australia at the moment. So the next couple of things that I'll produce for Fight Pass will be over Zoom. Um, uh, and, and as soon as we can get out and get amongst it, I want to be training with fighters. I want to be hanging out with them and, and creating some things, having a laugh and enjoying ourselves and, and, and talking about the sport and getting to know the fighters as well. I mean, I think one of the best ways to get to know – uh, fighters or, or any athlete perhaps um, well, particularly with the UFC is through Fight Pass to watch their previous fights watch and even just like on Fight Pass you have the interviews before the fight right. uh, on on most of them on most of the cards and you can really understand how someone's grown you look at someone like Robert Whittaker and you watch him as a young dude talking about what he wants to achieve and then as you know as the champ and and, and watch his progression throughout his career it's just it's great to sit down and watch and it really allows you to become a more um a, a, have a deeper a sense of, of knowledge of how they've grown and become a a bigger fan if you will and i i really thoroughly enjoy that so i think what what we're going to produce is going to be really exciting going to be fun uh, i can't wait for live events to come back to australia whether that's in the next year or the next decade, uh, who knows? Particularly with the world <laughs> how it is at the moment, but um, it's all—it's all, it's all going to happen. It's going to be very exciting, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. I you, you hit on something that I'm very passionate about it is the resource that UFC Fight Pass is. I think it's the most overlooked resource in, in the sport because let's be honest, we're all human beings. We all are, you know, uh, th- there's something primitive about us that draws us to, to violence, but th- there's something that makes it so much sweeter when you know who these men and women are and, and why they're fighting, what they're fighting for, and all of that is available for everyone right now on UFC Fight Pass. Isaac, appreciate the time, sir. We'll have to have you back on if we break down an upcoming fight card and uh, just working in the mix so uh, people can see that, uh, you know, people do speak English better than than me and you can class up the joint, like I said, for us.
0: Thank you very much, sir. I look forward to it.
1: Oh, what a great show it was today on Extra Rounds. Want to thank Isaac Butterfield for stopping by. Excited to see what he does moving forward on UFC Fight Pass. I uh, also want to uh, show our appreciation to Adrian Yanez who's coming off that win over Randy Costa last Saturday night. The bantamweight division inside the UFC is just getting better and better and better. And, I mean, we're talking about a hell of a fight from two unranked bantamweights. You know, we're not even talking about uh, athletes in the uh, the top 15. I uh, was listening to the Anakin Florian podcast, which I got to shout out a little bit because I just made fun of John Anik for saying Melbourne. Um, but uh, Kenny Florian was talking about how he thinks that Adrian Yanez will actually fight for a UFC championship someday, which I mean, it, it's not going out on a limb. He's young. He's uh, impressive. He's got a good uh, you know, style uh, for, for fighting um, and doing well at the highest levels. But that's still uh, quite an endorsement uh, from a a real OG. You want to talk about, you know, tough noobs? That's when Kenny Florian was new way back in 2005. And he's definitely signing on the, the dotted line for Adrian Yanez to be something special here moving forward at 135 pounds. Uh, Speaking of 35-pounders, don't forget your co-main event coming up this Saturday night. We see uh, Yo Kong take on uh, Hana Yaya, and that leads up to our main event where uh, high stakes on the line between uh, a pair of middleweights when we see Uriah Hall take on Sean Strickland. If you missed any part of the show, Pearl Gonzalez and I broke it down. You can check out the archive uh, over on Facebook or uh, Twitch, and uh, if you're more into audio, uh, go listen. Available anytime, wherever you get podcasts, uh, whether it be iTunes, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Uh, you can also get at us uh, on Twitter and, and social media and the like, uh, at TJ DeSantis, at UFC Fight Pass. Use the hashtag, ExtraRounds. And uh, no one's really taken me up on it yet, but it's true. My phone is always on, and the number actually is 917 UFC Talk. That is nine one seven eight 917 is 917-832-8255. You can Give me a call and we can talk about fighting and uh, just know that if you leave a voicemail, I'll probably play it on the radio or the television or again whatever this is and uh, you can also text me as well 917 UFC talk uh, I want to thank Pro Gonzalez for breaking down the UFC uh, fight card hopefully we'll catch up with her she's on the road uh, down in Miami but uh, if we can get her on the line we'll uh, be back uh, immediately following the uh, broadcast on Saturday night when Uriah Hall takes on Sean Strickland who's coming out the other side uh, you can tell us again anytime uh, whether it's in this chat or um, on Twitter, by the way, if I don't give out Pearl's social media, she'll get mad at me. She's she's all verified on Instagram and whatnot. So, uh, at Pearl Gonzalez and again, at TJ DeSantis. Hashtag Extra Rounds. Uh, that's that. Thanks for you. Listen and watch and and support the show We appreciate it Uh, as always continue To to, uh, do so Uh, Tell your friends and uh, join us Saturday night immediately following the fights As we recap the card that features Uriah Hall and Sean Strickland For Pearl Gonzalez I am TJ DeSantis Thanks for listening Watching, downloading Extra rounds right here on UFC Fight Pass We'll chat soon
0: Rounds from UFC Fight Pass is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only.